Hi, I'm your host, Karina Gantis, and you're listening to a special edition of Behind the Pen for the NAPOD POMO National Podcast Post Month. Hi everyone, this is Karina Gantis, your host for Behind the Pen. Welcome to another episode. I am an award-winning author of 14 books, an award-winning filmmaker. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber, booktuber. I run Author Assist, um, which is helping authors with their promotion and marketing. Everything from brainstorming an idea right through to promoting the final product. And I'm also the host of the author assist show on the artist first radio network today my special guest is michael scott welcome michael hello karina thank you for having me it's a pleasure whereabouts are you uh, calling from uh upstate new york about 90 miles north of new york city and you've lived there uh, most of your life um, my entire adult life yes um i was born on the uh west coast in uh, washington state and spent some time in California as well, but most of my life I've been in New York, yes. Awesome. So Behind the Pen is a show for anyone who uses a pen. You could be an author, an illustrator, a writer, an actor, a director, editor, tattooist. Um, so Michael, what do you use your pen for? Uh, primarily writing. Uh, I uh, recently, uh, within the past uh, couple of months, released my debut novel. Uh, a uh, dark fantasy novel by the by the name of uh, Free Wilds, The Cult and the Constable. Oh, wow. Congratulations on becoming a debut author. Welcome to the club. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> so what was still to feel like when you held that, uh, that book in your hand? Uh, very vindicating. Um, it was a, a long, arduous effort. There were a lot of times where I did not necessarily have a lot of confidence that I was going to actually get to that point where I was holding a physical copy of my book in my hand and uh, you know I am very just very grateful and uh, humbled by the experience. It's a surreal feeling isn't it? Yes it's essentially you know it's my legacy in print that's how I feel about it. Yeah yeah that's that's it so where did it all start from you i mean when did you get the bug for writing you have to have time you have to have the money and you have to have um the the talent to write i mean did it come from school were you a creative kid at school with your english um did you go to uh, college or university to study creative arts i mean where did it all start uh i've been writing short form fiction since i was eight or nine Mm -hmm. um and uh other creative pursuits i've always been uh rather uh using my energy for creative purposes rather than just like sitting with idle hands so i was i was very much into drawing writing um sculpting uh you know, oh, wow. clay uh whittling uh wood um things like that just little ways to keep myself uh you know my creative juices flowing and uh in uh, high school, I did a lot of uh, creative writing um, courses and uh, journaling, things like that. Um, not so much in college, but I didn't really take it seriously as something that I wanted to devote myself to uh, until 2020, uh, which was a rough year for a lot of people. And, and my way of turning all of that, you know, potentially negative energy into something positive and creative was to... Uh, 
you know, to write. <laughs> so that's what I but did. That's really awesome because COVID has done the opposite to a lot of authors. They've lost their muse, their inspiration. Um, yeah. And they've stopped writing and reading, whereas others like yourself used the, the time and the situation to actually finally get that book out that's been in you for so long. Well, the and book, uh, I actually credit the book with uh, saving my life. Um, the wow. reason why is because I was uh, in uh, March of 2020, I was uh, crippling, cripplingly depressed and mm. um you know just about as low as you can get yeah and in pursuit of you know more positive answers and just something to look forward to i set myself i, I learned to embrace the idea of goal setting and uh progress tracking and things like that so i, I was give i would give myself small achievable goals but i also had an overarching goal in mind so i wanted to write uh every day uh, get up and just make sure I get those words down, regardless of whether it was work toward my novel or work toward a blog or work toward, I just needed to devote myself to putting what was in my head onto paper or onto the screen so that it wasn't just sitting there. Um, and it did help a lot. Yes, so. it does. Uh, writing does give you a lot of closure for, um, uh, past traumas. Um, yeah and um, especially depression. I mean, a lot of us writers, we suffer from depression anyway. Unfortunately, that's part of the course when you're a, 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 an author, an artist. Um, yeah, they say saying, creative people tend to, uh, exactly. tend to have some problems with, uh, problems with depression, yeah. Exactly, it is. I don't know, I don't know anyone who's uh, never had uh, depression and been uh, in the creative arts. When you were saying before about um, sculpting and, and, and woodwork and stuff mm -hmm. when you're an artist you're never just one form it's always one or two things that you're good at um so even though you didn't take it any further you've still got the talent for doing that whereas you've took your writing that's what your choice was to take your writing further i did writing and and singing they were my two creative um, and then I decided to take my writing uh, more seriously uh, when I was moved to Greece and uh, had nothing to do. And I was so bored. Yeah. So I've got a, you know, I picked up a, a small story I wrote when I was younger and started work on it. And one page ended up being 20 pages. And I was like, what the, what is going on here? This, is, this shouldn't be happening. And next, next page, typing it up and another 40 pages. And I'm like, what? And it was like magic. It was just coming alive on the screen as I was typing. It was just, it's amazing how it works. Once you're in that zone, as we call it. Yeah. When, you, when you're in that bubble and nothing can uh, preach that bubble and and you're just flowing, the, the story flows, the, the characters flow, the plot flows. And that's when the gold comes out. I think when you force yourself to write, half the time you won't use it. Right. That's what I truly believe because you're, you're not in that zone where the gold is coming out. You're writing, you're forcing yourself to write. Um, maybe 
just like to take notes and to plan out a next scene or something. And then when you get back into that zone, into the writing stage again, then you can look at those notes that you were doing, that you forced yourself to write um, and uh, then uh, work on those. I mean, are you a, are you a pantser or a plotter? Uh, I'm, I'm a I'm very much a combination of the two. Um, mm. I I do have an overarching idea. Uh, basically, I have I know how I want a story to begin, and I know where I want it to end up. And I kind of pants my way from one to the next. Um, I might have little beats, and then I have no idea how to fill in those gaps, and that's where the pants come in. Um, when uh, you mentioned that you you don't realize that you know all that content is going down until you you look and you you see your page count or you see your word count and you're like oh my gosh where did all, all that come <laughs> from um when i get into a flow like that that is usually when the stuff that i wrote is going to survive the process it's it's when i'm forcing myself to write and i and i'm trudging through page after page none of that stuff is going to survive all the way to the end of the process. It's going to be exactly. edited out, but yeah. I have learned that I shouldn't get rid of that. I, I was just deleting stuff. I wasn't keeping everything that I wrote. Like if I would mm -hmm. write, uh, I would write a, a couple of thousand words and I'd, I'd look at it and I'm like, I'm not going to use this and just, I'll start from scratch. And I've yeah, changed my mind mistake. on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I realized that, you know, I did write something that was kind of similar to what I'm going for now, but I got rid of it because I never thought I'd use it. So exactly, I started, you know that I, to keep everything, yeah, you because, never know when you start a new project, maybe something you'll, you'll go, oh, I'm sure I wrote about something that would fit lovely in this uh, novel. And it's then, all about course, perspective. You've got to find it. Yeah, it's all about perspective. In the moment, I'm not necessarily going to see its value for what it really is or what it could be. Exactly. So assessing it later with a different, you know, from a different point of view is uh, a way to make use of stuff that you're not necessarily, you don't really see the point of it yet. So completely, yeah. I completely agree with you. I, I've been in this business 27 years. I wrote my first book over 27 wow. years ago and I'm a pen to paper gal. I always have been, always will be. And so you can imagine the suitcases oh, yeah. of small notebooks with notes everywhere and, and kept and, and, you know, on the cover, it says which book I was using that for. And, and you keep it anyway for um, copyright purposes, because if someone copies your um, book, which happens, you've got sure. proof then of actually written proof that you actually wrote that book they're certainly not going to have the paperwork that you've got. Well, <laughs> It'll take smart. hours to find it, mind you. But uh, yeah, it's that's one of the reasons why I kept everything. It takes a lot of space, though. But oh, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you have a dream and you wake up, you, you write down straight away what that dream was. Uh, you have a scene, you, you thought about a scene in your head while you you're driving to the supermarket. When yeah. you stop driving, you're at the supermarket, write down that scene, Carry, you know, do it on your phone, record it Pull on your over. phone. I've, I've pulled over on my way places and I've been late arriving places because I've had, uh, you <laughs> know, inspiration, inspiration happens at strange times, you know, it um, does. I, there you was a, be ready. 
a former boss of mine I my first job was at a store called Radio Shack and uh, oh I know of it yeah and uh my boss at the time you know I was I was writing all the time writing and drawing all the time at work not in any way that would disrupt from my job but mm. you know it was something that I was known for I was always uh jotting something down or whatever um making use of the uh the computers that were there to uh, write things down and then, you know, pop a little floppy disk in there and save, save what I wrote and work on it later if I wanted to, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm dating myself now. Uh, we, are, but, we are going back a bit now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, uh, but my boss used to tell me that uh, every time I, <laughs> every time I decided to, uh, you know, take a, a, a restroom break, I would come out and I would sit down at the desk and write like a couple of pages worth of stuff because that's where a lot of my ideas I was on the throne and a lot of ideas came to me so um, I, I would it. have to stop everything and write it all down yeah like you say inspiration can get you anywhere but wherever uh, you are yeah. yeah always have a pen and paper with your dictaphone or your mobile phone and just uh, talk into it and get those ideas out of your head because then when you're back in the zone then you can listen to them and, and know what to do with everything. The technology is great for that. Now I can, uh, I can actually just tell my phone to listen to me and it dictates my, my words into speech. So I can just have a conversation with my phone, look like a maniac to anybody that's watching. But uh, while I'm on my way to or from work, I, I uh, often, any ideas that pop in my head are, are going down. So it was worse than me. I had a dictaphone and I'd whip it out anywhere. If I was in the supermarket, I'd whip <laughs> it out. Start, I mean, there'd be, it'd be like either a conversation, it would be a scene and I would start recording into it. And yeah, I would get these really, really weird looks. Yeah. And my, my husband would be driving and, and suddenly I'd get this inspiration and I'd whip out the dictaphone and I'd start talking into it. And be, to him, it'd be total nonsense. But to me, it's what I've seen in my head and I need to get it out. And uh, yeah, I'd get really, really funny looks. But uh, yeah, <laughs> always because because those it's when those inspiration comes, when those characters start talking to you, mm -hmm. um, that's when you listen. That's when what you're getting is gold. And that's when you need to pay attention and to get that idea down before you forget it, especially if you've woken up from it. Um, yeah. Me, I used to go straight to the computer at like four or five o'clock in the morning, get it all down on the computer, then go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when you first wake up, um, if you've uh, if you've had, you know, dreams that were, you know, or, you know, ideas that pop into your head right as soon as you wake up, you got to get them down. You can't you can't let those things go because that's that's where a lot of the good stuff comes from. It is. is those little Wait, transitory you, moments um, between the subconscious and conscious. Are you an independent author or are you with a contract? Independent. Yeah. Oh, um, I, uh, I, I've never done anything like this before. Like I said, it's my first novel. Um, I didn't really, um, the research end of it, I didn't, I just really wanted to write and I yeah. knew that I wanted to publish a book and I didn't know the first thing about either. So I, wor I worked yeah. on the book first and then I, I don't know if it was, uh, I can, I guess it's a combination of like just a lack of patience on my part for sending out letters to, you know, to um, agents, literary agents and, or, 
you know, trying to go that route to become, you know, uh, a, a author published through a, you know, a big company. But uh, no, I, I went the independent route, uh, partially, like I said, because of impatience and also partially just because of a, a fear of rejection. After all, like I said, this was, this was a, a way of me dealing, way for me to deal with uh, depression and PTSD and stuff. So, you know, why add the, uh, the fear of rejection to, uh, to the, you know, to the pile so you do have to have a thick skin in this industry whether you're um, getting rejections off publishers and agents or getting bad reviews for your book even though you oh, don't yeah. think it deserves it um you've got to have a thick skin you've got to let go with a piece of cake you know you carry on doing what you do best um if you have four or five reviews that say the same thing then maybe you need to start listening Right. If you if you don't, then it could be just they didn't click um, jealousy. Uh, many of your authors uh, uh, read books, so that could be jealousy. Um, sure. It did, didn't click with them. I mean, you're not going to please anybody, you're not going to please everybody. So well. no. And I have to remind myself also, um, and I think this is probably true for a lot of authors that you you really you are writing a book for an audience. You're trying to capture an audience but you really should write the book that you would want to read. And so if you're, if you're proud of your work, then you already immediately have a positive review and the, and the one that's most important. And that's, that's your, that. your own, your own, uh, that is so true. pride in your work is, yeah. is, a is the best review you can have. The hundred percent um, confidence in yourself as a author, as a, um, published writer um yeah and having 100 percent confidence in your book it's um no matter what uh, other people i mean when they say to me in interviews you know who's your who's your ideal reader and i say well i don't write for my readers yeah <laughs> i admit it i write for me i write because that book has to come out i write because i need to write that story I need to get it out there. And if someone buys it and they love it and they give me a five-star review, then bingo, I've done my job. But I write for me. I've always have done. Um, I've never gone with uh, uh, what's um, hot and, and what's not and what's trending and, and what people are reading and what's needed. Yeah. That, you know, I, I think that bothers people, me when it comes to the marketing. Would, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. That bothered me when it comes to the marketing and promotion. Then I have to look at my marketplace. Then I have to look at my readers. But the actual writing of the book, no, I do that for me. Go ahead, Michael. I think that a lot of um, a lot of people put the cart before the horse when it comes to. Um, I mean, I I can't say for you know for certain because I am very new to this. But it feels to me like a lot of the focus. It, it's like focus grouping. You know, like. Uh, you know, what, what kind of product do I want to put out? And, and I, I get that, you know, cause it is a business and you want to succeed, you know, financially mm -hmm. as a writer, mm -hmm. uh, I get, I totally get that. But um, as an artistic expression, you really, you really do. You're the one who has to be happy with it. And, and if everyone, if, if your eye is that unique that nobody else is going to appreciate it, that's a shame, but yeah you are a consumer of other people's work. So you know what authors you like, you know what writers you enjoy. And if you're going to like 
their book and you're going to like your book, then it makes sense that people who like their books are going to like your books too. So, you know, you are kind of writing for writing for other people to read your book, but you're the one who has to be satisfied with it first. And um, yeah, so I, I, I do, I do feel like uh, the cart before the horse is an issue um, where people are so concerned about how they're going to market it while they're writing it. And I think that's a mistake. No, you, you write the book first and you worry about that after. The, the yeah. hardest part is writing the book. Um, well, no, the easiest part is writing the book, actually. <laughs> the hardest part is finding the readers and marketing and promoting your book. But uh, there are ways of getting around that, as you know. We've, we've talked before on uh, with um, Joe on Go Indie Now about marketing and stuff. Yeah. Um, how is it going? Are, are you feed, finding new readers? How's sales going for your debut? No, they're not. <laughs> they're not, right? No, they're not. And, something about that. Yeah, there, there's, I have a lot of work to do when it comes to that part of it. That's the part of the process that I'm uh, both brand new at and have, uh, that's the part of the process that I, that I'm not confident in and I do this, need help with. So yeah, this like, is, I, this is what I do. This is it's for authors like yourself that I started author assist was because I want to give back everything that I've learned over the 27 years, my knowledge, my, um, my, um, the stuff that I've learned um, from webinars and courses, stuff that I've learned just um, going through the, the, you know, going through the paces of everyday promotion and stuff that just comes naturally to me. Um, and of course, I did a marketing and sales as well at college, so that helped a lot. But uh, sure. yeah, um, there there is there is ways of doing it. There is a way of step-by-step way of getting your book. It's about you promoting yourself first as an author before it is about promoting your book. Um, Let's talk about your book. I mean, we can go on to marketing another time, but let's talk about your book itself. What genre is it? Uh, It is a detective mystery that takes place in an original dark fantasy setting. Oh. So if you were to take um, uh, Philip Marlowe, style character uh you know gumshoe detective uh-huh. uh and you were to plunk him into the game of thrones world essentially <laughs> uh not it's not it's not a carbon copy of uh of any of any of those yeah. things it's not exactly philip marlowe no, it's not exactly no. westeros or anything but it is uh it is that kind of an idea you take a, a protagonist that you don't necessarily traditionally think of that's the character you're going to follow uh, in a book that takes place in that genre that's that's kind of like the where the concept came from like what I want to I want a protagonist that you know I relate to and I want to put him into a world that you don't traditionally see that kind of person in oh, I so, like that so yeah. where I mean was this from a dream from your love of fantasy from a film from a book where did the initial idea for this come from uh multi-sources uh my uh definitely film had something to do with it um there was a i mean all the raymond chandler works are amazing in film um you know going back to the humphrey bogart days when he played philip marlowe to uh, james garner playing philip marlowe um 
that character is a, a very formative for me. I, I really just appreciated those, you know, um, those kinds of stories. Uh, and I also, when it comes to fantasy, obviously Tolkien is a big uh, influence, but um, uh, Brandon Sanderson and uh, R.A. Salvatore, um, Stephen King with the Dark Tower series, those were all big mm-hmm. influences on me as well. Um, when it came to the genesis of the idea of putting all those things together, um, that is a culmination of being an avid uh, uh, tabletop role player for 20 years. So a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, creative ideas come from, you know, sitting or sitting at a table with a bunch of people and hashing out like all these, you know, fantastic stories, um, you know, just with friends. Uh, role play. Um, yeah. Role playing, yeah, and cards, and yes, um, that my, that helped. Yeah, my BF is a big, big fan of that, and he hosts um, um, card uh, game, yeah, game nights and game stuff. Thing. Sure, game nights. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get into it myself, but I, but I know he's a huge, huge fan. He's got, he's got tons and tons and tons of these packs of cards and games, and he does all the miniature and. Yeah. stuff and yeah so you were into all that before you became an author then um I was definitely into it before I became an author yeah uh, but I uh it's definitely it was definitely one of the major uh influences on me wanting to write stories in that genre because um, you're being a storyteller while you're playing the game aren't you yes everyone at the table is that's what I like about that that kind of a game is that every single person is being challenged to write their own part in a story the, the way I always thought of it is uh with those kinds of games it's like a play without a script so it's all improv <laughs> but there are there are you know rules there are structures um and a person that referees people through those rules and that pretty much allows a lot of a lot of uh, wild input and a lot of like you know strange the story to take some strange directions and it challenges everyone to keep up and to uh, you know kind of experience the the uh, emerging story that didn't exist before everyone sat down that, at the table. That sounds like every author should should take you know have a go at that. I that think I think she should try so it at good. least once. Yeah, it is <laughs> it is fun. It's a great exercise when it comes to being creative, especially I would love it to sit around with other creatives, like with other authors and, and do, and, and come up with some sort of a, you know, collaborative storytelling. That's essentially all it is. It's collaborative storytelling. And uh, I mean, it, is it possible to do that on zoom? Like get like oh, yeah. five or six authors, get your cards out and, and oh, yeah. go through go through a game with them absolutely um oh, well, we're gonna have to set something up then there wouldn't it wouldn't even necessarily require any kind of uh you know logistical hurdles when it comes to you know uh cards or or miniatures or you know anything like that a lot of it is uh, it's called theater of the mind right so yeah a lot of it a lot of it is just everyone kind of closing your eyes for a second and just kind of listening to the description you know you describing what your character is like and what they're doing and how they're 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 interacting with the world around them and then you deciding based upon what they've said how your character would react and respond to that so it's like every individual character having its own author in a book. 
you know it's it's a pretty neat it's a pretty neat way to to explore storytelling i think i love that i love we're gonna have to sort some we're gonna have to uh <laughs> sort something out because I don't I don't know that ever being done before you know they do sprints they do prompts but something like that especially uh, with the real creative people I think that would be so cool yeah sure. we'll, we'll definitely definitely do something about that definitely. there's actually um, um, a project well, that I'm working on uh, or that I, I actually already worked on it's a pretty neat uh, concept it was called by the seat of our pants <laughs> and and which is obviously a pretty good play on on that you know approach to writing but it's a story they give you a very basic prompt and you uh volunteer to write one chapter of the story and all you're getting is the very basic prompt and very basic rules you know at some point this has to happen at some point this has to happen mm. and you get the previous chapter that was just written and that's it and you have to carry on the story carry for just that next it. chapter Ooh. and then the next writer gets just the chapter you wrote you and that's wrote. it so i am imagining mm. the frankenstein's monster that's going to emerge at the end of this project but it's <laughs> i am i'm excited to see how what i wrote impacts you know the next person the next person and how it changes the way the the flow of the book because i took i took what i liked from the previous writer's uh work and i left everything else kind of by the wayside so it's definitely i'm definitely changed i changed, changed the story changed the game already <laughs> yeah it's already different i like it yeah i like that so um so your book how many pages are we talking is it a big one it is uh, a pretty big book in uh in paperback it's 706 pages whoa that is yeah. big for a first time novel yeah, uh, Frank Herbert's Dune was only just about a hundred pages more. I didn't realize that at the time. Um, wow! And and is this like part one of a series, or is this yeah. a stand? Oh, it is. I'm working oh, on part imagine. part two now. Um, wow! And I was actually uh, contemplating whether or not I made a mistake making it just one big book. I I <laughs> may it may have been to my benefit to split it into you know uh, two books or three nothing books. stopping you from doing that you know well, even i even already now, published it doesn't matter so, doesn't really. matter even yeah even at this stage you can still do that yeah you know I'm, i might do that then because i do think that it would probably be a lot more uh a lot more uh appealing to a new a new reader or somebody that's not this doesn't necessarily want to devote themselves to that big of a, a work all yeah at once. they don't want to look at it and think oh gulp you know i'm, I'm never going to get through this yeah you my, might uh, find more readers by shortening it yeah my own brother uh who you know i love to pieces he i gave him a copy of my book and he he flatly said to me bro i'm very i'm very proud of you i'm very happy for you but i don't think i'll ever finish this book <laughs> oh, he seems honest about it yeah no i i appreciate i appreciate his candor uh and you know my wife finished it and i was pretty impressed with that and she just she's not a big reader so oh that's really cool that's yeah, really she, nice she liked it my, my sister's got all of my books and i don't think she's opened the page of one of them <laughs> oh. yeah that's that's rough <laughs> It's just a bit. Never mind. Um, so, Michael, a... where can uh, people uh, find your novel at the moment? Um, it is uh, currently the the easiest place to get it is on Amazon. 
um, if you were to look up Free Wilds, The Cult and the Constable, or just Free Wilds, it comes up. It's like one of the first couple of uh, products that comes up on uh, Amazon. It's also available on uh, Barnes and Noble. Oh, good. Um, you went wide. On, um, I guess, Kobo is another one. Yeah, uh, Kobo, Apple, Nook. Yep. Yes, it is, uh, it is definitely available on Apple Books as well. Um, good. And I do have a website. Uh, it's not great. Uh, that's another <laughs> aspect of this that I have not really uh, put okay. a lot of work into. It's uh, Michael right. Scott. It takes time. <laughs> Michael Scott Publishing Co.com. And uh, I'm also on uh, Facebook and Instagram and all that. It's facebook.com forward slash the free wilds. Wonderful. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being a guest on Behind the Pen. It's been great chatting with you. Um, and for those that are listening to learn about the, the, the highs and lows of being a debut author. Yeah, I appreciate the chance to uh, come on and talk with you about this. It's been great. Thank you so much. You're very welcome.